If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today, we are joined by Neka Jenkins, who is our uh, our fourth female interview in the last 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So I was just talking to our uh, the previous guest that I interviewed. Y'all were all referrals from my friend, Mandy McAllister. And so... I, it just so happened that the the you know the last you're the fourth lady in a row that I've interviewed. So all of October, it's going to be all women all October. Oh, so that well, was cool. I, that's pretty fitting. So that's good. Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I love that. Good for you. Yes, awesome. So um, welcome to the show, and thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Oh yeah. So Neka Jenkins. I'm from San Francisco Bay Area. I um. I'm a mother of six, uh, four of them biological uh, kids and two of them. I never like to say they're stepkids. I don't like that word. I've been in their lives for about 15 years. So we do have... Bonus. Huh? Is it, is it bonus kids? Is that what they call it? Or... I don't even like that word. I just like to say I have six kids because I've been in their lives nice. long enough. They call me mom and neck. I, I love them and I don't think they're anything different than my other kids. So it's just a hard thing for me because I never want to take away from their mother. But, um, you know, I've been a part of their lives and I, I love them dearly. So uh, they range. So our kids range from 21 to eight months. So um, uh... in the last, yeah. So we've been at this real estate thing. Um, uh, hardcore for the last four years. Um, I've been licensed for six years. I was part-time for a couple of the years in the beginning. And then I finally decided to bet on myself and I went full-time. My husband pushed me to do that. It was the best decision we ever made. And then we retired him out um, two years later. So we run a team, we have our firm Onyx Wealth Realty, and uh, it's been amazing. But we're done having kids now. And I'm in this place stage where I feel like um, a renewed energy because I've sold more real estate pregnant than not pregnant. It's been like a joke. So the last seven years I've been nursing or birthing babies. And I think that I'm excited because what I was able to accomplish in the four years, I I'm, I'm just, it's limitless what I can do with none of that happening, even though I was able to accomplish a lot uh, while pregnant. So it was kind of my superpower. So um, I'm curious, nervous, and scared, but I'm excited. Um, And then while we've been doing that, we've been really, really aggressive on um, investing. Uh, Probably we had a lot of people in our lives that would tell us like, oh no, don't get that. You know, we bought something March, 2020, right? When we went into uh, into COVID, right? And literally um, we're closing like the first week of the shelter in place. So I don't know why, but we we just knew that it was a good idea to do some of the things we've done. So we've got several investments, a couple of syndications, and I'm very happy with them. Um, and the fact that we always planned on holding them for a while. So this market doesn't necessarily scare me as a potential seller because I've just we we baked that into our plan. But I'm excited to talk to you because I know you you do a lot more and we're trying to get into more more multifamilies. We have one multifamily, the rest are residential and then syndications. And we're trying to get more into multifamily and then eventually really dive into commercial. Um, so yeah, my husband and I do this together. Um, we have a very supportive family. 
Um, I believe leverage is the only way to succeed. And I'm just here trying to learn from the best. Awesome. Awesome. That is, uh, that is a very enthusiastic elevator pitch. I love it. <laughs> um, so kudos to you for uh, doing anything besides having six kids. Because you make me feel like a sissy because I whine about my two. Your kids have got to be better behaved than mine. That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> You're good kids. We just have a lot of great help around us. Let's just say that. That's awesome. Um, so what did you guys do before? Great question. Um, I was in corp. We were both in corporate. I was in medical devices. So I worked in the operations side um, and dabbled into the R&D space with um, medical devices at a company called Stryker, actually. And then I left them to go to one of the vendors I managed. I managed about 80, 85 vendors while I was there. And I left to go to one of the vendors um, and they were versatile power. They've since sold, but um, they're still operating. Great company. Honestly, I cried when I left, but it was it was the right move, but I loved it there. I truly, truly loved it there. And then my husband, he um, worked for a um, t- uh, com- telecommunications company, and he had been there like 13 years, I think. 12 which or which years. one? Um, Harmonic. Okay. So he was at Harmonic um, for a while. And yeah, I mean, I, he liked it. I wouldn't say he was like passionate and loved it. Like I loved what I did and where I was at, but he was fine and he was doing well there. Um, but we decided it was time to bet on ourselves. So I like to say we have no jobs, <laughs> right? Like we're literally just operating off of what we buy and sell. And um, we've helped, we helped about 154 families last year. Uh, so about 174 million. So we we do a lot of business and I, I love what I do. I literally am so passionate about the deal and helping people um, get generational wealth or build generational wealth. And I love educating people with that. So yeah, it's it's been a good transition, but we were, we were fine and stable before. Awesome. I, you know, I see that so often. Like I, I'll see like people that'll like fail out of certain industries or like you know, get fired from corporate jobs and they're like, well, I want to go be a realtor, a realtor or I want to go be an insurance agent. So like if you were lazy and you sucked over there, like you're going to be lazy and you're going to suck over here. Like it takes like, it takes like considerable about more discipline to be successful in a hundred percent commission environment. Right. You need, you need like a lot of impulse control there to like regulate your daily schedule, regulate your spending, you know, force yourself to make the phone calls after you got rejected 87 times in a row and want to cry. You know what I mean? Like, and so, you know, a lot of times when you hear people are like, Oh, I had this corporate career and I just, you know, this successful corporate career and I gave it up to like you say, bet on yourself and it was like, well, I mean, the same exact traits that made you successful over here, we're going to make you successful over right. here. That's um, that's great. I love hearing that transition story. Tell me about your your investments. Your, um, you know, start from the beginning. What what, what kind of investment? You, you said residential, so I'm assuming single family rental properties. Yeah. What do those look like? What are the? Are you buying them in California? That are they not astronomically expensive over there? No, it's very, very expensive. But I'd like to say um, I I feel like it was expensive and it always has been and it's only gotten more expensive. So we got in at a good time, right? But 
I, I wish I got in 10 years before. I wish I got in 15 years yeah. before. There's one thing I'm going to teach my kids. I don't care what they do. I want them to be themselves and be happy, but they will have a property by 18, maybe even sooner. They will have one, like their own property because it's just, um, you know, I know we're spoiled here in California, but the level of appreciation and just the the buy and hold strategy, you can't go wrong. It's like stock market. If you're trying to just trade and all that, yes, that's risky. But with real estate, for the most part, um, a buy and hold strategy is gonna you're gonna be okay withstanding even one, maybe two recessions. You'll be okay. So let's see, what was the first one? Um, the first one was our own property that we lived in, right? And uh, I was not licensed at the time. I did all of the things I tell my clients not to do. I did them. I was the worst client possible. But I learned so much from that, especially from the realtor that that helped us um, what not to do in her case and what to do. So it was it was cool. So we lived there. And I can't even say that I had this idea of like, this is what I want to do. I'm going to do this and we're going to remodel this and da, da, da. But I think I always, let me put it like this. My husband is VA. So we have the VA loan. It took some random realtor driving in the middle of the street to randomly, basically kind of door knocking, right? And randomly say to us, hey, you know um, you know that you guys have a VA, like as we were talking, because I just said, oh, we're renting, you know, whatever. I know plans of buying. She said, you know, you have the VA loan, you can get a home with zero down payment. Long story short, I ran back into the house so fast. I was like, why didn't you ever tell me that? you?" <laughs> he literally never told me about his VA loan. Never, never. <laughs> he he kind of looked at me like, oh yeah, I have that. Uh, okay. We're buying like tomorrow. So that started the wheels when we were renting, the wheels started turning of just okay, well, we have an opportunity to get into this market, a market I really never thought we could, right? So um, we're in that space. We decided to rent a, we decided to start renting out our bedrooms in that home. It was a four bedroom. Yeah, we showed on income. We could afford it and all that. But most people, like most people, if they looked at everything, they'd say, you shouldn't be in a four bedroom. We needed it kind of for the two kids we had at that time. We didn't have our own kids yet. But we really didn't need to be in a $2,500 property, like four bedrooms, you know what I'm saying? But I knew, okay, we can rent out a couple rooms, especially when our two older girls were not with us. So we started saving up money that way. When she drove in the street and told us that we had a plan within six months, we were like, we're going to do something. So we did that. And then when we bought our first property, I literally, the, the agent told me this, I will never forget. She, I'm looking at all these properties. I'm like, oh, I like this. I like that. She goes, you can't see any of those. I said, why not? She said, well, you have a VA loan. And I looked on MLS. She was a new agent. I'm still, I'm friends with her, but she was a new agent. And she said, you can't buy any of those because only three of the 60 homes that you showed in your 600K budget, only three of them will take your VA loan. The anger I feel now understanding that, but everything happens for a reason because what she was essentially saying was, hey, I looked on MLS and where they put the type of loan they'd prefer, but nobody <laughs> likes, right? Right? Nobody likes a VA loan. And I get it, especially here in California. They really don't like it. But what I what's driven my passion in my business is is allowing people that are VA or low down payment the ability to buy with it and not be looked at like it's like, you know, a scarlet letter. Why do they not like it in California? Great question. So out here, they're putting a lot of money down, right? And there's a lot of competition. So if you have 15 offers, yes, I know the market's slower right now, but let's just talk in general. If you have sure. 15 offers on a place, what seller is going to take that one offer over here, even if it's the highest that's putting zero money down? 
Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you as somebody who sells houses a good bit, not not like as a realtor, but like selling my flips, like I'll, I'll of course take a cash offer over, I'll take a lower cash offer over totally. a, a VA or a, um, or a, an FHA. It, and it has nothing to do with how much they put down. It's just the stringency of the underwriting oh, yeah. and the, you know what I mean? And, like, and how picky they can be. And, totally. oh, you know what I mean? And then, and so you're like, I want it right. to close. So um, you're absolutely right. And what you just said, there is another key part. What people, especially newer agents, inexperienced agents, I was one of them, but what sometimes they don't understand and therefore they cannot translate or educate their clients is that the contingencies, even if you put a VA loan, even if you put down payment, even though you don't have to, um, and you say non-contingent, which means you're going to buy this house no matter what, or you're losing your earnest money, right? We all understand what mm -hmm. that means. Even when you say that, the VA, the government has a stipulation that if that home does not appraise, that VA buyer can walk. So yeah. you're not trumping that with any contingency release. So for those reasons, they don't like us here. But when you have an educated realtor, someone that's passionate about it, I have gotten more people into VA than most agents because it does take more work. It does take more um, educating of the client. It takes more strategy, more negotiation tactics. But I have gotten even up to $3 million offers accepted with little, zero or nothing down and educating both sides on, hey, I know we have this government imposed um, thing to protect us here, but we're going to close on this and getting more things in contract. VA loans go up to $3 million? So that's the interesting thing. Yeah, I was shocked by that too. I've done it three times now. So the way you have to think about it, and please, anyone that's a lender, and I say this wrong, you know, don't <laughs> kill me. I'm just doing my best here, but I stay in my lane. But what I've what I've realized is you have the VA loan and then you have VA limits. So in certain areas, the limit is higher. In California, it's pretty high. So you get to put zero money down up to that limit. Anything mm -hmm. after that, and if you qualify, at least before it might have changed, you have to put 25% down of that delta amount. So if you're going to 1.5 okay. and the limit, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah, here's yeah. the thing. The $3 million one, one of them was our own purchase that we just built a house and did that. And then two others were two other clients. And what I didn't realize is there are very few lenders that will let you go even as far to 3 million, still do a VA loan. There's a lot of like caressing and smoothing and all that, but it can happen and we've done it. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't realize that that they even went that high. I, I, I yeah. can't even fathom what, you know. What the payment what is? What the payment is and what your debt to income has, like what your salary has to, and I guess you don't have a salary if you sell houses for a living, but like, I just, I mean, I, I've bought millions and millions of real estate, but it's, it's always like in this commercial environment where nobody really cares about our true debt to income type of thing. But for like, for like VA, FHA, you know, like traditional home buyers that aren't doing all this other crazy commercial stuff that I'm doing, like. You know, I always think of of the their limitation being their debt to income, and you know everybody. I mean, top tier around here makes a couple hundred grand a year, and like, what right. can that really buy you a half million dollar house? So I guess you know, I guess I always joke. I have partners, and so I'm in South Louisiana, and you know we're not the richest state in the union, and and my partners on my apartment complexes are in New York. And they're always trying to push us to do 506C projects, which you have to be an accredited investor to participate, meaning you have to have a net worth of a million dollars or you have to have a 200K income or 300K as a joint married couple. 
And they're always like, let's do a 506C so we can advertise. I'm like, look, I know they pay the dog walkers in New York City 200 grand a year, but like very, very few folks down here like meet that cr- criteria. I and I assume it's probably similar in California where y'all oh, are just. It's, it's, I think that was the big flip. You know, I had this this flip from a scarcity mindset to a more abundant mindset. And one of the key things was me realizing what you just said. There's so much wealth out here. Um, there's so much money out here. It's, it's disturbing, unbelievable, and and crazy. Um, one of my first deals, you know, I, they sent me their proof of funds because out here, you're not buying a house without putting proof of funds in front of that seller. I'm talking bank account. I want to see it. The date better be within the last 30 days. I want to see your name on it. It's that's, it's competitive. So they can do that. Um, and I remember seeing one and this guy made a million dollars as his base and he was in sales. So therefore the commissions were about 50% more, if not more than that. And I just remember talking to my husband and thinking, oh, I've been thinking way too small here. (laughs) I know where my heart is and I know what I want to do and I want to educate people. I want to help people build wealth, all of that, no matter what they make, right? That's a very, that's literally what my company is built on. But I realized I was thinking way too small. And once you flip that, you're helping your sellers, you know, you're helping future investors, people that you're educating. So, you know, I just had to realize that not everyone was living paycheck to paycheck like I was. That was that was yeah. a huge shift. But I, I apologize. I know I went on a tangent, but to wrap up what you were asking me, you know, the VA loan enabled me to get that first property. But what I did was realize, okay, the bank just gave me a six hundred thousand dollar property. Um, we put honestly, I think on that first one, even though we could have put zero down, they wouldn't accept our our offer with zero down. The property was crap. The agent like literally stopped even caring about actually marketing it. And, um, we put, I think $20,000 down and, you know, there were no other offers on the table. We offered like 605, I think it was listed at like 630 or six something, whatever. Right. Which is rare in this market, but it was sitting on the market for a while. And so when I got that, I remember just feeling like I'm so blessed to have been able to get this. I mean, I was like literally running to sign my papers, like before the bank changes their mind. Like that's, that was my mentality. Like I couldn't believe they were going to give this to me. So when we were there, I'm constantly looking at, okay, what can we improve? Whatever for our sake of living there. You know, we had our first child, we had our second child there. And, um, my husband, you know, had a man cave and all of that, but I was constantly looking at ways to improve it. Long story short, we put maybe $40,000 into it. And about a year and a half in, I was pregnant with our second child together. Um, so our fourth child together, but our second child, you know, me and him. And I remember, <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember um, just saying to him, it's time to go. And he was pissed at me. He will tell you, he was so mad at me. But something in me just said, we've updated this property. I'm looking at the market. I had just gotten my license, like right, like while we were in there. And I remember just thinking like, let's go, let's sell this thing. If we could have kept that property then and got the next one, hands down, we would have done it. But financially at that time, we couldn't. It was the worst decision and best decision. Why I'm here with several properties is because we sold it. Um, But I look online and I mean, within like less than a year after we sold it, it went up another hundred grand. So in 17 months of being there, we made about a hundred and I want to say like $117,000 profit 
And I was at that point, I was hungry. I was like, oh yeah, we're about to do this more and more. So I used that strategy of like, I'm going to use the bank the way the, you know, the bank uses us. And I'm going to use the bank and get into that property as a primary residence and rent out the next one. So when we moved into the next one, we were committed that the next one after that, we were going to rent it out. So we now have um, five residential properties. Um, one of them, we I won't say inherited because because of the laws and stuff, we didn't want to move it into my husband's name. But one, my my husband's family owned for about 30 years. And we took that on and we converted it to a, to a duplex and made it into an Airbnb. So we took a thing. We've done this three times. We took a single family home that we bought. We found a way structurally to put a wall up or separate it, made two entrances, essentially made it a duplex without having to like formally go to the city and make it a duplex. The lot is big enough. We built a house in the backyard. So on one lot, we pretty much got three properties. Can you, but in order to sell it, would you have to update the code or whatever? Great question. In, uh, you know, I hope people on your listeners don't crucify me, but the truth is that here in California, in most markets and most as competitive as they are, um, as long as you're disclosing, there's plenty of properties being sold and the, there's no, like, for instance, there would be no permit for the fact that it's a duplex. Now, could sure. I take the wall out and just make it a single fit, whatever? Yeah, but I don't even have to take the wall out. There might be a buyer that likes it as a duplex. There might be a buyer that likes it as a single family. It's so competitive. They can take the wall out themselves. If I disclose it properly, we're fine. Now, here's the trick. When the appraiser comes, especially if it's a really, 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 um, when the appraiser comes to uh, appraise the property, if it's a like one of the top five banks, right? You know, Chase, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, JP, um, uh, PNC Bank, Citibank, whatever. If it's one of them, they're going to be a lot more strict about, hey, appraiser, you better appraise it versus what it shows on title record, meaning as a single family home, meaning that some of those broker lenders that might be great for someone putting less than 20% down, they might be a lot more lenient, right? And so they might say, yes, I have to appraise it as to what I what it is. But I also see that there is another income stream here. This house in the back is bringing in income. That might subjectively cause their appraisal value to be a little bit higher. But on paper, mm. they're appraising it to what they see. So you see a lot of properties, especially in Alameda County. Um, and I'm in Santa Clara County. I live in Santa Clara County, but I do a lot in like Oaklandish area, San, San, uh, San Francisco. And then here, Santa Clara County, like San Jose, Santa Clara, Mountain View, Sunnyvale. And, uh, you'll see a lot of properties that have no permits or unknown permits. And they're selling at the same rate market value, if not more, because people, as long as it's built with a contractor and it's habitable, they can still make some money off of it. Awesome. So tell me a little bit of, is that, is that your multifamilies that you were? So we, we have one true multifamily in Kansas city that we just got about a year and a half ago. It's a fourplex. And then awesome. we have, we have others. Um, we have a syndication. So we have one that's like a 60 unit building and that one of them is in Kansas city. So we have that, but I'm, I'm interested in getting more multifamily that my husband and I own and maybe even do a syndication. So did you, are you a general partner on the syndication or did you just invest passively in the project? I invested passively um, a awesome. good amount in two. Yeah. So we awesome. have not done our own syndication. That's something I'd love to get well, into. Well, people always say, I, I want to be on the active side like you. I'm like, well, I want to be on the passive side like you. I don't, I, you know, I'm just hustling because I got, if I had a big pile of money, I'd invest it all with you. you know? Totally. Um, no, but, I, yeah. Grass is always greener. I'd love to know your side a lot more. So, um, what is your thoughts on on 
the market, obviously, but but how it pertains to your core business of being a realtor, right? So you said you helped 154 families last year. Like I, I would imagine transaction volume has fallen off a cliff. What does that mean for a realtor? It's a great question. Um, this year, so we're at September, we are at about 98 million. So last year was 154 homes, 174 million in sales. Right now we're at about 98 million closed. And that translates to, I honestly, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's 90 plus home, uh, families. So we'll probably close under last year, which will be technically our first declining year. Um, how does it translate in the market? There's less people willing to buy right now. They're scared. But then the other part that people don't get about California and why I don't feel we're going to fall off a cliff, we don't have inventory. We literally have had an inventory problem for three or four years consecutively. Well, and that's everywhere. True. That's true. I can only speak to what I see here. But I think that because of that, even though we've got people scared, I still am running with a lot of buyers and I have a lot of sellers. Sellers are harder right now because they're expecting last month's price. You know, sure. they you can barely expect last week's price. Like you better hurry up and sell and be grateful for what you get because it's not getting better and in the short term for a seller. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I've I can't even remember. I've had the same conversation with like five different people today. So it's, I can't remember we talked about it if I was talking to the last person about it, but it's so true. And I mean, I am on top of my guys that are, you know, dragging my rehabs out. I'm like, y'all don't understand. Yeah. Like, like this house should have been listed two weeks ago. And they're just like looking at me like, oh, it's the big deal. I'm like, it is a big deal. Like two weeks ago is a different environment. We, yeah. we need to get it on the market yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I've been I've been a big proponent of waving the the inventory shortage, the supply side of the, the the equation flag for for months now. But you know, seeing the seeing the friction in my own house sales, I've got to I've got to concede a little bit to the to the demand side of the the, the equation and go. All right, well, the, the I mean, the the rates are just. They're just flat out pushing buyers out of the market. And, and we're, you know, it's scary because I'm having conversations where it's like, hey, I know I want a home in this city and here's my budget 1.4, right? And then I'm not kidding, in two weeks, in a month, it's like the homes like that I, that I wanted to buy. I mean, I can literally afford 1.1, 1.2 right now. They're, their purchasing power is just going down the drain and it's scary for them. So they're either going to have to reset what they want or most of them are saying, I got to wait. So they're banking on, no, I need to wait for the market to fall another 200K, another 300K. I don't, I, yes, this market will fall a little bit more in my opinion, my humble opinion, right? I don't know that it's falling that much in some of these markets. And so it's a thing where I'm not interested well, in. It, it'll fall as the rates rise. So exactly. your payment's going to be the same. And that's the level of education that I love doing, but it it's exhausting to do it at the level we're having to do now. And so I'm shifting my focus to, I'm in no way, shape or form wanting to convince anyone, even in the slightest bit. I've never had that model because that's a horrible escrow and I, I'm looking for a good review at the end. So I'm not going to convince. So I almost am now backing off and focusing on only the people that like, yes, we get it. It sucks right now, but you still want to do it because you understand the long game, period. That's who I have to focus on. Yeah, absolutely. Something else I've just picked up on, and sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Oh, you're good. You, you'd mentioned your fourplex was in, was it Kansas City? 
Kansas City. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good bit away from California. How did that happen? How it happened is I met um a, we met a friend. He's now a friend, and he actually was considering selling one of his places. We kind of convinced him, talked to him about no, don't sell it, like hold it. And he got into a lot of syndications personally, like with some friends. And so he was doing a lot of stuff in Kansas City. What I told my husband is I'm really good at what I'm good at. And that's here in California. It's buying, selling, investing here. I don't have the bandwidth, especially with all the baby making. I don't have the bandwidth. Sorry, that sounded horrible, but you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I don't have the bandwidth to go outside. So when we found someone that was doing a lot of it and we knew we wanted to invest outside, I always told him, unless you're flying out there every other week or something to truly understand, we need to tap into an expert there. And he had like, I'm talking 10 properties and like a mile radius of where we were looking at. So I just, we always told him, if you see something that you would buy, come bring it to us, right? This is why relationships matter. That's why I love talking to you on this because you see things that I'm not going to see. And I don't want to become the expert because it will drive me insane. So when, when we did that, he, he had a fourplex that needed a lot of renovations and then he had a really good bank relationship. So that was really easy too, much easier than any loan I've ever gotten here in California. So we just kind of said, whatever, let's make it happen. I think it was a three, how much did we spend? 290 something thousand dollars. Um, It's probably worth closer to five, maybe more. I don't know with this changing market, but it's renting what out. The, fine. What are the rents? What rents are you getting? Gosh, see, now you're quizzing me. Uh, Each unit, I think it's eleven hundred to fifteen hundred. So I think two That's of them are good. like four. Is it good? Okay, good. Because that I is good. <laughs> I, I we make fun of California money around here because we see California money come in and yeah. pay an obnoxious amount for these these fourplexes in the like the most terrible part of town that are getting <laughs> like you know I've seen people come in and pay three hundred grand for like a fourplex that's getting six eighty a unit and like I will like the cops don't go there in the middle of the day. You know what I mean? No, <laughs> would, would so, you tell me though, for real, would you tell me if I made a mistake? I would. It's that, I mean, that sounds, that sounds, those rents sound like, you know, that sounds good. I mean, you, you just off the, off the top, you're well over the 1% rule. You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. I'm sure your cash fund fine. And I mean, any, anywhere where you're getting 1100 a unit, you're, you're at a, you're in a tenant class where you probably don't have to worry about, like really high turnover and really rough right. abuse of the property. Totally. You know? Yeah. No, um, that that's what we wanted to. I wanted to stay away from that because the headache for me would be too much. Um, exactly. Here, look, long like distance. Yeah, yeah, long distance. Exactly. So I've literally never seen the place. My husband has flown there a few times, but I told him from the beginning, I don't want to, I don't want to take that on because I will obsess over it. Right. Sure. Well, that's awesome. So I want to hop over to our radio round just to give our listeners a, a little qu- glimpse at you. Glimpse, bleh, glimpse at you. Um, <laughs> it's just three quick questions. The first one is, what's your favorite book? You know, my favorite book is Purpose Driven Life. I read that when I was super, super young. I probably should read it again, but it just... Um, Who wrote it, it? Had, it had, have you heard of it? The Purpose Driven Life? I've heard of it. Who wrote it? Oh gosh, uh, I don't know. I could Google it. I have no idea. Um, I will look that up and tell you. But I really, really like it. it. Has nothing to do with real estate. I probably should say a real estate book, but I don't have a favorite one off the top of my head. Um, I've had people, I've had people say everything from like the Book of Mormon to 
like the yeah. young and the restless I, I or some fiction book you know what i mean well i am I, Christian. I, I guess i should have said the bible so don't i've, I've gotten that one three or four times yeah, yeah. um and I, but i mean i i you know I, I guess like my original intention when i created that question yeah. was a real estate book or a business book but i didn't ask it that way and just and this far along in the game i just don't want to and so I just kind of leave it open now. However, totally. however, people want to interpret it. Um, the next, the next one is: What's your favorite quote? My favorite quote is: "To whom much is given, much is expected." Um, I think about it often. I it drives me to contribute um, in every way, shape, or form. Um, I yeah, it means it means a ton. And then I've also at real estate related, I really, really like and I use often, um, I'm gonna butcher it, but it's Warren Buffett. Um, when people are greedy, be fearful. When people are fearful, be be greedy. It it applies so well to this market right now. And if anything, my husband and I, I'm even more aggressive with what I want. It's just about what the plan is, right? Buy and hold is something that's dear to my heart and it works right now in this market. And if you can sell it, great. And you make a profit, but plan to hold it a little bit longer. For sure. Um, and what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? I don't imagine between the six kids and uh, the multiple businesses that you have a whole lot of not working, not you know, you're right. But I have to say, full disclosure, I have such a supportive and involved husband. And we're very blessed to make a good living and be able to have help. My mom is with us right now for a month. She she had surgery, but she helps often. His mom helps often. I, um, you're going to laugh, but I can be a bit of an introvert. I know it doesn't seem that way, but I can. Mm, I don't know about that. No, I really can. So the way I think about it or the way, you know, I get, I can get drained by too much human interaction. And my husband, my sister makes fun of me. She's like, you're in the wrong freaking business. Like you're, you have a ton of human interaction all the time. So I love it. I love people. I love helping people, but it drains me because I give so much. I I'm very energetic. I literally can't do coffee. This is just natural. So what I like to do, don't judge me is I love my Netflix shows. I love a movie. I love you know, documentaries. I love Dateline. Um, that's what I love to do. <laughs> and if I can do it with my husband, which he loves it, probably he's not as obsessed as I am, but when I can do it with him and we're just there, you know, when you can just coexist with someone, right? You don't yeah. have to talk, you don't have to do anything, but they're just there. Live for it. Awesome. 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 How can our listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you and work with um, you? Best place. Yeah, best place would be Instagram. I have started to get into TikTok because I feel like I have to. God, everyone's just like TikTok, TikTok. So whatever. <laughs> but I love Instagram. So it's at Holmes by NECA. And it's H-O-M-E-S-B-Y-N-N-E-K-A. Holmes at Holmes by NECA on Instagram. And TikTok, actually. Twitter. How many, I, how many no, people I mean, follow you on the TikTok? Ooh, like zero. Honestly, I think it's like less than five hundred on TikTok. Uh, I've, I've got like forty. <laughs> <laughs> no, Instagram. I really, really like. Um, I really like Instagram. I've, I have a good Bro. amount of followers 
14,000. How do you get 14,000 followers on Instagram? I honestly, I don't know. And sometimes I, I, I have this habit where this is the introvert in me too. I know I need to be on video more and I, I love it. Uh, or actually I hate being on video, but I love Instagram and I'm trying to do that more. And so you'll see sometimes where I'm on it a lot. And then a week you won't see me at all. Cause I, in my mind, I'm like, if I'm sick of seeing me, other people are very sick of seeing me. So I just like, I, I, know I hate, I hate posting like, like myself and my videos and stuff. So I don't do it. I, I, there's a lot of posts of me talking on videos, but I, what I'll do is I'll just record it all. Like there's something about like posting it. Like I feel uncomfortable. I feel like corny. I just, I don't, but I record it all. And then my marketing guy, he'll take it and he'll like put in all the stuff and then he'll post it. And, yep. and for some reason it's like, I don't know. It's so weird, but it doesn't bother me because I'm not the one posting. Totally, because isn't it like a vanity thing, right? You kind of yeah, feel like oh, yeah. put myself out there and put myself out there. So I'm with you there. I do like my stories myself and some posting, but for the most part, I have a marketing person that that does that too. And it feels better like, it, hey, yeah. if I'm going to annoy people, I can just say, ah, oh, with somebody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be, I, don't, I don't post that stuff. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't know he was going to post that much. Yeah, it was part of the plan. <laughs> Well, uh, it was really nice to meet you. I'm glad we got to chat and I'm glad we got to get to know each other and uh, definitely look forward to keeping up with you on your journey. Thank you. I appreciate the time. This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.